And I definitely find with clients getting clear is such a freeing experience because then you can stop thinking that every genre is one you have to consider you can stop thinking that every social media platform is one you have to be considering you can you can just decide this is what I love this is where I'm going to focus my attention in all aspects of your professional life and and that's it's incredibly liberating welcome to the female entrepreneur musician podcast with Bree Noble Bree is a musician, entrepreneur, speaker, and founder of Women of Substance Music Radio and Podcast. Bree's interviews with successful female musicians and industry pros are both inspirational and informational. She also answers your questions about the music business. Bree is on a mission to help you create great music, connect with your fans, and grow your business, and to truly become a female entrepreneur musician. Hey, this is Brie Noble. Thanks so much for tuning into the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast, where we talk about how to make great music, how to connect with your audience, and how to grow your business. We have got an amazing episode today, probably one of the best that we've ever done. And I remember saying that during the interview, which I don't say very often. I have found a sister in music across the pond, someone who I completely agree with her strategies, her coaching, and just the way that she approaches life in general. Her name is Tamara Gallon, and she is a creativity and music coach. And we get into so many valuable subjects in this conversation. I can't even recount them all. We talk about outsourcing some things so you can focus more on your creativity and your music. We talk about how not to get discouraged, how not to be negative, just so many things that I think are really going to help you. So we are getting on to that in a minute, but first I want to remind you, you can always go to femusician.com and grab our free resource, which is the 19 sources of income you probably haven't considered for your music career. If you haven't grabbed that already, go get that or you can actually get it by text. So I'm going to give you the phone number that you will text it to right now, and then you can respond to that and get the free resource. That number is 678-506-7543. That's 678-506-7543. And if you text the letters FEM, that's for female entrepreneur or musician, just text the letters FEM altogether to that phone number, then we will get you your copy of the resource guide. Again, I want to remind you about giving us a written review on iTunes so you can be entered to win the one month of the Female Musician Academy. So if you don't know how to review us on iTunes, just shoot me an email at brie at femusician.com and I'll give you instructions. And now to my super compelling interview with Tamara Galon. Here's some information about her. Tamara Galon is an intuitive coach working with higher conscious and heart-led women in the music industry, helping them find their sweet spot in joyfully creating an ideal music life. Tamara has been working with musicians, artists, songwriters, and women who've been working behind the scenes in the music business since 2007. She's worked with organizations from EMI to Warner Chapel Music Publishing to the Music Export Offices of Finland and Iceland to the UK's Royal Opera House. She also loves working with independent artists and music business freelancers. So here's my interview with Tamara Galon. So that's a little bit about Tamara Galon. So Tamara, is there anything that's not in your bio that's a little more personal that you want to share with our audience? Um, that's a good question. 
I would love people to know that even though I've worked with some, you know, some really big organizations, I, I love working with people at any point in the um, music industry, whether it's behind the scenes or whether it's on the stage in any form. I'm very versatile in that sense. So I work with people in, in literally any part of the music industry. If the music industry is somewhere where you're working, then I'm interested in you. Mm. That's cool. So how did you get started in music or the music industry or creative pursuits in general? Well, creative pursuits in general, um, I started as a coach in 2003 in my business and um, I was trying to work out what my niche was going to be. And um, someone very intelligently said to me, you know, sometimes you can work out your niche by just seeing who your clients are and then you can see a theme and every single one of my clients at that time, even though I was just starting, was a creative person. So it seemed to me that obviously that's who I was attracting. So I decided I would just, I wouldn't, I wouldn't buck with that system. I would just go with it. And I've always, I, you know, it was an intuitive thing. I think that it just felt right. But the music industry came to me and found me, if you like, in 2007. And it was it's kind of a funny story insofar as it was, the, it was the day before, it was my last working day before Christmas, and I'd had an amazingly productive morning, and I was hungry, and I thought, if I stop and eat my sandwich in the sitting room, I won't go back to my desk. And I'm in such a good groove, but I am hungry. What can I do to keep going? So I found um, a copy of a book that I always found quite inspiring, um, Asking It Is Given by Esther and Jerry Hicks. And, um, and so whilst I was eating my sandwich, my, my last day of work Christmas sandwich, I was looking at an exercise and picking one out to kind of keep my mojo going. And just at that moment, I got a phone call from somebody who said, um, you don't know me, but you've been recommended to me. And I was wondering if you'd like to pitch for a, a piece of work coaching a group of women in the music industry. And in, in my head, I'm going, boy, would I? <laughs> I just, it just sounded absolutely gorgeous to me. And I just had this very strong intuitive sense that it was I was going to get the job even though she was asking it was a grant funded piece of work and I knew that there would be other people tendering but I just had this very strong sense that the job would end up being mine and it, and it and it was and the women that I got to work with were so extraordinary that at that moment I pretty much decided that's where I wanted to focus my time and my energy moving forwards and, and let go of the various other creative industries that I'd also been working with that was just yeah it was such an amazing experience I really just wanted to focus on the music industry after that I think that moment is so cool because, you know, when you're growing up and you go to college and nobody tells you that you might have a point where you realize what you're really good at and you can actually choose. Yeah. Like they make you feel like, you know, you kind of have to, to take what's given to you and mm. you can start to actually choose and, you know, be specific about who you want to work with. Like I work with female artists only. Yes. Absolutely. And I know some men like say, why are you discriminating? But I'm not discriminating. I'm just choosing who I want my clients to be and who I enjoy working with. Exactly. Because and that's obviously what you did. It is. It absolutely is. And, and I actually do work with guys and I work with people outside of the music industry. But those people come find me because I'm an energetic connection but I'm not looking for them and that makes my life so much easier because it's just simple I know who I'm looking for I know who my ideal client is but if an amazing person comes to me and says I just love your work would you consider working with me of course I would because it's a personal thing just in the same way that every woman in the music industry isn't necessarily my ideal client 
But yes, it is a gorgeous moment when you just think, this is this is my ideal. This is what I want. I just want more of this. And I definitely find with clients, getting clear is such a freeing experience because then you can stop thinking that every genre is one you have to consider you can stop thinking that every social media platform is one you have to be considering you can you can just decide this is what I love this is where I'm going to focus my attention in all aspects of your professional life and and that's it's incredibly liberating yeah and it's incredibly focusing too because otherwise you're just like oh my gosh I have to do this I have to do this I have to do this and you just get overwhelmed and you end up doing nothing absolutely Absolutely. You know, I see that a lot in, mm. with musicians. They think they, they need to be everywhere and do everything and then they just kind of give up. Yeah, well, that's the myth of the DIY, isn't it? The do it yourself, do it all alone, mm-hmm. that rugged individual who's going to triumph. And, and it's, and, you know, one of the things I love doing with my clients and in my magazine as well a little bit is myth busting, <clears throat> you know, these ideas of people who are an overnight success, you know, that's a classic myth. But I also think in recent times, since the digital revolution in music, there's been this myth that's grown about being able to do things completely by yourself, which I think is largely untrue. And so far as even if you are doing all of the nuts and bolts of your professional music life yourself, you still need support. You still need someone to listen to you when it's all gone horribly wrong and you've got to pick the pieces up and start again with a project or, or whatever. But but this this myth that people are out there really just doing it all by themselves and making a really good living, I think is a bit pernicious. It's a bit difficult because you then think that you really do have to do it all by yourself. And I don't know anyone who's really 100% making all of their money from music, who's being a musician, who's doing the various things that you can do to earn money, but who's doing it completely 100% by themselves. They're always collaborating with someone or, you know, they have a street team or they have someone who does their PR or someone who helps them with social media sometimes. It may not be like a full-time employee thing, but they're getting help. And so, you know, from my perspective, it's that that myth is is so harmful because if you're really trying to get going, if you think you have to do everything by yourself because other people are doing that, give yourself a pat on the back for having done everything by yourself up until now and then decide you're going to find someone else to play with because, you know, that's, that's, that's a long road to hoe doing it completely by yourself in the music industry. Oh, yeah, I think you'll get completely burned out if you very, try to do that. Very quickly. Yeah, I know for me, you know, in my business, there's just no way, you know, I have to have, and I tend to specialize in people that do things very well, but not other things very well. You know, yeah. I've found that I cannot find like a jack of all trades, somebody to help me. No. You know, I've got someone who works part-time and helps me with social media, someone who works part-time and helps me with my podcast. You know, yeah. I don't try to find one person that's going to do everything because you know, nobody's going to be good at everything. And I certainly am not good at everything and can't do everything. So mm-hmm. I, de- I definitely agree. That's something that musicians need to think about. Even if you just, you know, have people, like you said, on your street team, or, you know, I, I always talk about how I used my mom as a booking agent yeah. for me when I first started, because she was good on the phone. Mm-hmm. She was obviously enthusiastic about my music. She had a different name than I did, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's more fun with more than you. You know, there's someone to bounce ideas off and other people bring in expertise. But exactly as you're saying, Bree, the, the thing is, is that if you're a great singer songwriter, it is unlikely that you are also going to be an excellent everything else. I mean, yeah, no, stop it. 
find other people <laughs> to contribute and, and, and start to build yourself a little team, a little community. And the thing that I would definitely say, which comes up a lot when I start talking to clients about getting help, that is immediately they say, but I don't have enough money to pay people. And apart from the fact that not having enough money is a mindset thing, it's like a state of mind rather than a state of affairs situation. Putting that on one side just for a moment, I'm always encouraging people to understand that the magic of being a creative person for somebody who isn't a creative person is just getting to spend time in your brilliance. So I'm I'm always delighted when people come back and say, hey, I asked my friend, sister, colleague, whatever, if they would help me. And they were delighted to help me. And this is the thing. People love to help creative people. People love to help musicians because they just want a little bit of that creative stardust to rub off on them even if you're not super famous that's not the point at all the point is is that you're this creative person leading this interesting life where you've staked your claim to doing something that you love for a living so you're already leading the charge for a lot of people and having a very cool life and yeah they're going to want to help you so don't be afraid to ask somebody to help you even if it's an exchange of I don't know what babysitting or dog walking for social media you know Get other people involved because it's just funner. It's just more fun and you're going to be way more productive when you're not pretending to be good at everything. That's so true. And I mean, you can even do a little bartering, like you said, yeah. or, you know, trade for some merch or some CDs or, yeah. you know, I know when I first started this business, I traded some artists for some advertising and then they helped me with some social media and stuff like that yeah. because I couldn't afford to pay somebody at the beginning. Exactly. There's always something that you have, always <clears throat> something to offer. And if you don't know what that is, ask the person, you know. Don't be afraid to have a really open, vulnerable conversation. Say, I would love to get your help. I can't afford to pay you, but I really want to remunerate you because I value your expertise or your time. What can I give you? What would you like? The other person will tell you. They'll tell you. <laughs> they always will tell you. Seriously, if they want to help you, they will tell you what it is that you have that they want without fail. It's true. And another thing about, you know, outsourcing some of the stuff that you shouldn't be doing is you could probably make up any money that you did have to spend on that by doing one extra gig a month. Hello. And think of yeah. all the time that you would have freed up to yeah, do that. Exactly. That's and you'd be doing what you love and what you're good at and your so zone of genius, sweet. right? Precisely. And that's why I say, you know, not having enough money is a state of mind, not a state of affairs. If you decide that you're going to have a thing and you put your mind to how do I get one extra gig to pay for that thing? It will come. It will come. It always does. Because making a decision, I'm going to I'm going to have this. I want some help with my social media or I want some help with whatever it is you need to find some some money to pay somebody for. Once you've actually decided I'm having this, not, oh, my goodness, I can't have this. And then spending lots of time focusing on the money you don't have. As soon as you make that decision and you start looking around for that one more gig or that two gigs, you start to really understand that you are in control of your destiny. You are in control of your money. It is you. You're not waiting for the universe to conspire in your favor on that particular Thursday in July. You know, it's it's absolutely a thing where you can just decide, OK, I'm going to empower myself. What do I need? And then decide and move forwards. Very, very true. I've definitely experienced that. So I want to focus on one thing you said a little bit earlier mm -hmm. about not doing it alone and having support. Mm. And I know for me, I definitely always have some kind of business coach going on in the background. Yes. Um, and I think we all need that. Yes. 
So I want to ask, did you have a mentor, you know, as you were coming up? Yeah, I have always, the two decisions I made for myself when I set up my business in October of 2003 was that I would always have an accountant because man, do I suck at filling in forms and <laughs> and the money stuff, you know, still, still hot button for me, you know, in terms of tax and stuff and I don't want to get it wrong. So I've always had an accountant. And I've always had a coach because for me, I know that if I don't have someone to be accountable to or to someone to pick me up when I've you know, tried something and it didn't work out quite how I wanted um, or when I know that I'm playing a bit small and I need to go bigger, I need to have somebody there who knows me, who's come on tomorrow, you can get this done. And so, yes, I've, I've had many amazing people pass through my, my business life um, in the 13 years that I've been coaching. And, and I, I would say that I've learned things from all of them. But I think more than anything that, um, yeah, the biggest thing I think I've ever learned is that you haven't failed until you quit. I think that's the thing that I've always, I've always yeah, that I've seen in people who are that little further step ahead of me in, the, in their coaching career or a lot further ahead than me is that they've always had those moments where it just feels like everything is too much. You've taken on too much or you just, you know, circumstances have completely radically changed on you. Like you've had children or you've just moved to an entirely new town and everything feels very, very different and maybe difficult or impossible. But then that, just that moment where you think I'm not quitting because if I quit, then I failed. But, you know, the fact that I've done nothing for a month or six weeks whilst I've sorted this out, that's okay. I forgive myself. I'm moving on. And I think that's, that's the thing that I've always seen is that everyone who is ahead of you has had a tough time that they've just refused to quit over. For sure. And I think it really helps to hear that from them because yeah. sometimes we don't, we're not able to tell ourselves that, but like it's going to be okay. Yeah. And you see them, you see that they've been through that and they've gotten through it. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's that's really, really necessary. And then you need them on the other side to push you. Yes. When you're being lazy, when you're yeah. like you said, thinking small. Yeah, feeling scared, which is, you know, when you this is the thing. I mean, I've got two smallish children, one a six year old and one who's three. And people say, Oh, you know, having children will, you know, is it the it's the biggest journey that you can go on. And I'm here to tell you it is not the biggest journey you can go on. <laughs> making money from doing something that you passionately love that makes you vulnerable because you risk people's judgment and people looking at you and making decisions about you that is actually has been for me anyway a far bigger journey of self-discovery than parenting parenting is a big one yes it is but seriously that that day when you say do you know what I'm going to make a living from my own creativity from from putting the essence of me out there in the world you put you set yourself on a path that is just an extraordinary journey of discovery and there are real low points there just are inevitably low points and that's when you already need to have a coach you don't want to be lying flat on your back on your couch thinking oh my god this is I've never felt like this and then try and work out who you want to have as a coach Mm -hmm. <laughs> you already need somebody there who's like come on it's fine dust yourself off it'll all be cool so yes I'm I mean obviously I would say that having somebody there for you is important because I'm a there for you person as my profession but yeah the, the couple of times when I've gone against that idea I look back and I realized that it was a big mistake a big mistake mm. So how do you think it's different working with creatives versus maybe being a business coach or, 
or a life coach or something? Um, I think working with creatives is an extraordinary privilege as much as anything else because you get to work with someone who's being brave. Um, and so for me, it's about respecting that bravery in anything that I'm doing or interacting with with my clients because like I say they're they're putting the absolute 100% fundamental essence of themselves out there and and so for me um, I feel it's different than working with other people because when they're having a tough time when when something is a struggle you can't just brush it off and come up with, well, there's a strategy for that. Sometimes you have to just be a little bit compassionate and understand that someone's really going to have to take a leap to to get to the next stage to do that thing. Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, in the very beginning of my career, I worked with a few people who were like maybe in financial services or something. And those people are resilient because it's not their thing. Nobody sees them. They, You know, nobody's looking through a microscope at everything about them and so for me working with creatives is is this extraordinary opportunity to see somebody being brave every day do you have to help them become brave yes, or are they I usually do. already brave there's there's a level of bravery already there but sometimes people have to get that little bit braver to get to that next level um one of the wisest things a, a coach ever said to me which i found just so helpful was that wherever you've got to in your career, whatever got you there, if you're stuck, if you're now not progressing, if you've you know, got to a plateau, whatever it is that got you about you, whatever it is about you that got you to where you are now is the thing that's preventing you from getting to where you want to get to next. And that's, that was such an enlightening thing, because sometimes the kind of brave that people are that have got them to say, take a decision that you know, maybe goes against what their parents think is sensible or what their teachers have told them is possible. You know, particularly, I, I spend so much time working with people who were told by people, other people, well-meaning or maybe not well-meaning, that they shouldn't have a career in music because it's unreliable or difficult or whatever. Um, and it's, it's one of those things whereby whatever has got you to that point and now you're stuck, you kind of have to unlearn a bit. You have to be a bit brave and let go of stuff so that you can get to the next level. So yes, definitely. I spend quite a lot of time engaging people with the idea of being courageous, maybe in a different way than they have had to be up to that point. That's an interesting insight because that's true. Sometimes if you have to start out kind of being rebellious or being the rebel, mm -hmm. then when you get to the certain point where you're having some success, but you need to move to the next level, you need to think of yourself in a different way. You're yeah, not the rebel anymore. anymore. Absolutely. And you need to take that great energy, but sublimate it, change it, transform it into something that's more productive for where you're trying to get to next. Yeah. That's a really good, that's a really good way of describing it, Brie. Let go of that rebel energy and move into whatever is the next kind of energy that you need for what it is that you've decided you want to do at the next level. Yeah. And I love your idea about the money mindset. I think that that's something that's not taught enough mm. to creatives. And I, you know, I know you're, you've had the brand over the past few years that's capitalized on creativity, mm. which I, I just love that concept. And, you know, my personal tagline is don't just make music, make a living. So it's kind of similar. Very similar. Absolutely. And this is the thing that, that I find that I talk about so much. I find that because we're... <clears throat> I, I think that coaches are a similar um, breed in this sense to, um, to many creatives. We would do what we do for a living for nothing if we had a trust fund. 
Like mm. I would happily coach all day for no money whatsoever if I didn't have to earn a living doing something to eat. But the thing is that if you if you've got this mindset which is well I do it for nothing if I could because I love it so much. So, and then the thought on the other side of that so is, so I find it difficult to, and then put in whatever money thing, charge enough, charge at all, tell people that I don't work for free, then you've got to deal with that. You've got to work out what new mindset you need to not be playing that game because it is all a mind thing. I meet a lot of people who tell me that the music industry is a difficult place to make money these days. People who tell me that the industry is set up a certain way, that it's very hard for independents to do this or that or the other. And they tell me terrible stories about exploitation by YouTube or Spotify, the thing. All of those never ending conversations we can have about why it's really hard to make money in the music industry. And the thing that I always say is that if you're going to spend your time reading articles about that or having conversations with other people in the industry about that, you are always going to find it hard to make money because essentially all of your conversations are colluding with that idea about what, how your world works. As soon as you can let go of that and say, but I'm going to make money, I'm going to make good money, I'm going to make enough money, I'm going to make the kind of money I need to live the kind of life I want to lead, you can start asking better questions. You can stop feeling like you're a victim because not having enough money is not a state of affairs. Not having enough money is not the fault of the wider industry. It's not the fault of big tech companies manipulating or exploiting musicians. You personally, as an artist, not having enough money is because you, that particular artist, haven't found a strategy that works for you for you to make money. And all the time you're complaining about what everybody else is doing, you're not finding out what's going to work for you. And it might be something so preposterously simple that when you finally get it and it works, you'll be amazed. But up until that point, don't spend all of your focus on all of the stuff that feels really difficult because it'll just make you not want to get out of bed in the morning. Mm. Oh my gosh. You're like my sister from across the pond. Like exact, <laughs> that's exactly the way that I think. I mean, number one, you can't focus on the negative or your whole mindset will be negative and it won't allow anything positive into your life to happen. Mm. And secondly, like you said, if you're focusing all the time on trying to do this a certain way, and you know, you can't do it, you can't do it, then you're not spending the time figuring out the way to actually do it. Yeah. And the way you do it is maybe a little different from, you know, the path that some other people have taken. I know that was true for me as an independent musician. Yeah. I tried for 10 years to do what I thought was the way to do it. And it was not the way for me. Yeah. I had to figure out my way Absolutely. and I, I had to give up that other thing yes. before I could actually focus on doing it my way and figuring out what that was. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, my advice when I'm working with artists and they're struggling with this is to understand that as human beings, we achieve anything that we achieve through dialogue, through conversations Everything, anything and everything that we do will have happened one way or another, whether it's a verbal conversation or it's typed out into emails, one way or another, we will achieve anything we achieve through conversations. And if 90% of your conversations are negative conversations, what could you possibly be achieving? What could you possibly be achieving? 90% of nothing at all. Whereas if in actual fact, 
90% of your conversations are positive about what you're going to create, about what you're going to try, asking people, can you tell me, can you help me, what do you suggest? You're much more likely to be creating something that you like the look of. And if you're, if you know that you do this, if you know that you get up in the morning and you open up whatever kind of connection to the internet you have and start feasting on miserable stories about how Spotify is the devil, or (laughs) then call up a friend or sit in a coffee place and talk about how this booker or that um, venue or whatever is wrong and bad, and really you will never get where you're trying to go because what are you creating? Nothing at all. There is nothing there. There's no vitamins in any of that. And so I know that one of the things that some of my clients really struggle with is is having to let go of people who will not let go of the negativity because they're so in it and it feels so real to them and they feel so victimized and they will not let it go. And ultimately, those people are poisoning the water for you as well because it's Mm -hmm. so hard to just keep going in the face of those kinds of never-ending conversations. But the same is true, absolutely true, of all newspaper articles, online articles, blog articles, anybody at all writing about the music industry, where they're telling you why it's all bad, please don't read them. Walk away. Walk away. There is nothing for it. There is nothing to see here. There is nothing for you in reading it. Nothing at all. Ah, thank you. Amen. <laughs> like, I totally like, I, you know, I just don't like seeing these things that say, you know, five reasons why you're not making money. You know, you see these kind of articles, right? I'd rather write something like three things you can do right now to advance your career. You know, that's the kind of thing I want to put out there. Me too. Yep. So why do you think most people fail? Like, why do they give up? Because it just feels too hard because it feels overwhelming because everybody's got an opinion on what you should be doing. And, and the, yeah, it's it's the overwhelm factor. It's just the overwhelm factor. It just feels like there's so much that has to be done in order for you to have a successful career. And for my clients and and most of my clients by the time I've finished working with them and they're, you know, going off into the sunset of the next level of their career are earning a good hmm, well over $50,000 a year, well over. And and they're not living a complicated life. They're not running around with their hair on fire trying to do 82 things. They're usually doing one or two, maybe three things well. Mm-hmm. And it's the mm-hmm. overwhelm factor that has that has been dropped so that they're focused on, okay, these are my two social media things. These are the two bands that I'm focusing on or, you know, whatever it is, but they're not trying to do everything and they're, and they've got enough support. They've got enough support, the right support. Sometimes that's a little bit of a trial and everything. What do I really need? But it's, it's the overwhelm that is the killer. It's that feeling of, I'm not enjoying this. I'm not enjoying this. I'm not making any progress. I'm not enjoying this. Why am I doing this? Whereas Mm. when you can just simplify down to, I'm going to try these two things or these two things, and I'm going to just keep going until I've understood what about those things is working for me. And you just keep it really simple and you keep that overwhelm at bay. Then you can fight the next day. You can fight the next day. I was going to ask you next, what do you think is the most critical skill to, to have a successful music career? But I'm starting to think, as we've been talking, some of the most critical skills are definitely being open-minded and flexible. Yes. Would you agree? I would. I absolutely would. I would also say that 
Yeah, being open-minded definitely. But I would say more than anything, and this this can get me into trouble sometimes because people think that I'm being a little bit hippie chick, but I would <laughs> say that you have to follow your heart insofar as you've already committed to doing something you love for a living, something that you're passionate about. But if the way that that's showing up for you isn't something that you love, there's something wrong. So if you're not playing in the kind of places that you that you really enjoy or if you're not playing with the kind of people that you really enjoy if you're not playing the kind of music that you really enjoy go back to the beginning go back to basics and discover what it is that you would love to be doing every day and then find a way to make that work because I find a lot of people particularly when they're talented attract lots of other people who want to engage with their talent and I don't mean in an exploitative way it's just attractive it's an amazing thing and they find themselves in bands or doing collaborations or projects that they don't love but they feel like they're obliged to say yes because it's an opportunity or whatever and I'm always like no go back to the beginning what do you most love what does your ideal day being you look like what are you actually engaged in doing and then do that so yes be flexible about how you get that to happen absolutely be open-minded about how you get that to happen but at the very heart be really clear who you are and what you're trying to express in the world and don't let people push you off track. They, they, there's possibly no ill intent in them pushing you off track. They just want some of your talent for themselves. They want to engage with you. They love what you're doing. But you have to be the person who says, this is what I'm doing. This is where I'm aiming to get to. And to stay single-minded. But yes, you have to be flexible in how you get there. Absolutely. Mm, I think that's so true. When you're first starting out, it's hard to say no. Indeed. To anybody that asks you, yeah. you know, because you think, well, what if this is the one, mm. you know? Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to, you have to be discriminating because otherwise it's all part of that overwhelm story. Right. But you just need to be clear with them, you know, your reasoning, like, you know, right now I'm focusing on these two things yeah. and like, then they won't be upset at you. They'll understand that you understand your career. Yes, absolutely. And they might actually even see you in an even more positive light because they can see that you're being professional, considered, you're not spreading yourself too thin. You're going after quality, not quantity. You know, people can respect that. For sure. So I was seeing on your website that you were involved in something called the Music Leaders Network. And yeah. I was curious what that was and how that worked. Well, that was the project that I did in 2007 with 12 women from the music industry in London. Um, mm. And they were from various organizations like EMI, the Royal Opera House. Um, we had an amazing woman from the London office of the Iceland Music Export Um office which was a, a, an amazing Iceland is just this extraordinarily productive music nation of 300,000 people but they oh. hit way above their weight in terms of bands that they turn out but um, it was this extraordinary experience of working with 12 women over nine months to just really get them to engage in their own leadership in their own in value and it was it was an amazing amazing project that was the thing that made me fall in love with working with women in the music industry um, in the first place. And I still, I'm still in contact with many of those women now and, and still working with some of them on various projects. It was an extraordinary, extraordinary time. And um, yeah, we, we accomplished so much. They got so much done. And at the heart of that was really owning their own value and agreeing to be visible. Um, it can be so easy sometimes to just hide slightly, even that even sounds crazy when you're a performer. But I definitely 
come across that whole idea of being visible can bring up a whole load of stuff for people. Even even when you're on a stage, you can still be slightly hiding and, and making your peace with that and, and, and owning who you really want to be. I think that was part of what those women learned and what they've carried on doing ever since. And they've gone on to do amazing things. Yeah. I think, I think that's interesting because my experience with that is that I would tend to be completely myself on stage and then really uncomfortable off the stage. Mm. Like when I was talking yes. to people, Yes, That's, you know, yeah. and I, I needed to learn to be that same person I was on. And I just like, how can I be so comfortable in front of 500 people? Mm. And then one-on-one I'm uncomfortable because I don't know these people, yes. you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. And that's some of that's just trial and error, isn't it? Some of that's just keeping going mm-hmm. till you figure it out. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, this is kind of a weird question to ask a coach. It's interesting. I either get an all or nothing answer on this, but do you have any books that you would recommend for, you know, maybe artists that are just starting out or, or, you know, building their career? And, you know, sometimes I'll get an answer like, no, you know, I don't read any books. I only, you know, go by the advice of people. And then some other people will have a thousand books. So I'm curious about your answer. <laughs> the on book one. that I'm in love with at the moment is by Shannon Curtis, which is the No Book and No Bounce and No Bartender book all about house concerts. And the reason, Ah, yes, I've read that one. The reason I love that book is because even if you don't want to do house concerts, what she's, what she's setting up as an idea is that you can create a really good career and her, her career is lucrative and she's starting to get some amazing opportunities now just by focusing on creating an experience for people of your music and then engaging them in being part of your tribe in being part of your community. And for women, I think that's incredibly important. I do think house concerts is an extraordinary way of building super fans and who doesn't need more super fans. Um, and so, yes, I have to say that, that lately the book that I've just been gifting to people and recommending to people is that one, because if you're starting out or even if you're not starting out, I've been talking about house concerts of various kinds with, you know, with artists who are in much further ahead stage of their career, because who doesn't need more super fans? And that's what her book is partly about, is this idea that you create these amazing intimate experiences for people. They want to support you over the remainder of your career. You know, they've had this amazing moment with you. So when you follow up with them with a newsletter or, or whatever, um, over time you build this relationship and they want to buy all your merch and they want to buy all of your downloads and they, you know, they want to see you again and they want to host a house concert for you the next time that you're in their in their part of the world. And it's, it's a gorgeous way of, of seeing the music industry is a community rather than shark infested waters so that's definitely the book that I would recommend particularly mm, for women there's so many things I love about that answer first of all I totally agree with everything you said I am on the board big time with house concerts for independent artists mm. like I like you said they're they're the number one way to get super fans they're really the number one way to monetize yeah because fans are just so much more generous in that kind of an atmosphere Absolutely. but um so with Shannon Curtis, like I, I know her, I mean, I've never met her, but we know each other online and, mm. and I remember meeting her maybe five years ago where we were both in LA and, um, I have definitely seen how house concerts have just made her career just, just take off. I mean, I remember it. she used to do like a yard. She invited me to a concert in her yard mm. in like Pasadena or something. Mm. And that's how she kind of started. Mm-hmm. And then she started booking more house concerts. Yeah. And 
Secondly, I just love that title. Like she just yeah, really hit it out of the park with that title. Didn't she though? But what, yes. what's amazing about her, if, I mean, I would I would highly recommend anyone listening to this who's even thinking about house concerts, get the book, but also sign up for Shannon's newsletter and just see what she's doing. See how she engages her community because she really is all about the community. And that's how you sustain and keep and grow and build super fans. But what I loved about her book was that, I mean, and the thing about this book is this, Sometimes you can buy books in the music on the music industry where they hint at what, how it works, but they don't really give you the meat and potatoes of how to do it. Shannon's given you everything. There is nothing you don't know about how to get house concerts started for you by the time you finish that book. It's an incredibly generous book, but she's also generous when she's explaining stuff and just telling you how she's doing her thing in the world. And it's, 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 it's gorgeous. And she just starts out with this wonderful way of saying she booked herself into, you know, various gigs on, on a little tour and she was doing house concerts to fill in the gaps, to fill in the time between going to more normal, well, perfectly usual music venues to perform. And what she discovered was that she was making, making way more money at the house concerts than she was in the, in the normal gigs. And, it was at that point that she suddenly realized there was some whole other thing going on. There was this whole other way of monetizing. And for independent artists these days, you shouldn't discount any way of monetizing that might really work for you. But for girls in particular, because we like people, we like making connections with people. It's not that we want to stand like godlike in front of a stadium full of people, although there's nothing wrong with wanting to be a stadium artist at all. But when you're starting out and you really want to make connections with people, house concerts rock. Yes, absolutely. They rock. Yeah, that's a really good idea. Get on Shannon's list and see how she engages because that's the next step. You Mm -hmm. know, once you have engaged with people in a house concert and you get them on your list, then you keep engaging them with them as if you're still there at the house concert. Yeah. And she did this amazing project called Connections this year, where she made a video where she invited fans to just send her little video clips of themselves doing a particular thing in order to, um, to create this video. And that went viral. That went up onto Upworthiest and in all kinds of places because it was community based and it was, it was, she's just awesome at it. Honestly, she's just so good. I can't recommend her highly enough. Mm. Go see what she's doing. She's doing, Doing, she's just doing it right and to that extent she's now been um she's done a TEDx talk and she's she opened for Sean Colvin somewhere and she's she's just knocking it out of the park and that is purely on the strength of house concerts so never let anybody tell you that there aren't ways of making money in the music industry that just you know that aren't the old way the old pattern the you have to do it this way way there's no way anymore there's just try stuff and see what works for you Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Go get Shannon's book and, you know, shameless plug. I do have a course on house concerts, Mm -hmm. so I'll put a link for that in the show notes to this episode because I use a lot of the same, you know, strategies that Shannon does. Of course, of course, of course. Because she knows what she's talking about. She does. She does. But absolutely. If you've got a course on it, then people should sign up for it. It's very definitely, it's, well, it is, it's, I, I, when I started reading about house concerts, I just thought, hallelujah, there's a way, there's a way, there's just a way, not just to make money, but to make connections. Because I think for women, connections are really important. You can feel so lonely as an artist, touring and traveling and, and not really feeling like you're engaged anywhere. And once you start doing house concerts, that, that goes away because people love you and they want to know what you're doing. 
I think that's true. Cause I mean, when I was coming up, I started doing a lot of women's events, a lot at churches mm. and it's almost like doing a house concert yes. because you, they sit at round tables and they're eating and, you know, and you get to go talk with them while drinking coffee before the thing and you get to talk with them after. And it's not anything like a traditional venue. And that's what I loved. Mm. That's where I did feel comfortable talking with people before and after yeah. and being myself like I was on the stage because it was that atmosphere. Yes, absolutely. It feels safe. And I don't think you can underestimate safety as a value when you're a performer, you know, that that allows you to just really, really feel yourself being free to be fully expressed to just really be who you want to be say what you want to say how you want to say it and allow yourself over time to do more and more of that and at that point that's when you're really you're enjoying every aspect of your of your creativity when you're really expressing your truth and not second guessing or doubting or wondering if you're fitting and when you have an opportunity to engage with your or your audience like you do before or after a house concert all those kinds of women's groups that you that you talk about then then you start to realize you start to get feedback you start to understand what people really like about what you're doing and you can really start to grow into that I just think it's an amazing dynamic I really do getting to know your audience is just so worth it yes and in that that kind of setting people will tell you personal stories yes that that you will never hear otherwise and then you know you can you can use them you know, to write new songs or, you know, just as inspiration and just know that what you're doing is actually impacting people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I want to thank you for all the brilliance that you've shared. I mean, seriously, this has been awesome. Probably one of the best episodes we've ever done. Let us know how, um, people can contact you. Well, I'm findable on Facebook. So if you just stick Tamara Gal on, now the Gal on is kind of funny. It's G-A-L dash on but if you put that in you'll find me or you'll find me on my website which is www.tamaragallon.com and there there is no punctuation so that's just t-a-m-a-r-a-g-a-l-o-n.com but the other thing that people can find of mine which I would love for them to go look for is my magazine which is on my website so then you just put slash magazine and that is a a free digital magazine that I've created for and about women in the music industry and if people would like to write articles for it or if people would like to be interviewed for it then please also contact me because I'm always looking for people who would like to contribute. That is so cool. Yeah, I didn't, we didn't even talk about that because I actually wasn't sure where you are on that project because we talked a few months ago and you were interviewing me and then I wasn't sure I I've should have asked two, you. I've got two issues out and the third one's due out in the next couple of weeks. So cool. So everyone listening, you know, you are female artists. This is the place for you to be. Go check out the magazine. Perfect. It's so, called Made for Music. Made for made music. music. But you'll, you'll find awesome. it if you if you look up my um my Facebook page, you'll find it. Or if you go to the website, there's a magazine page there too. Perfect. And I'll have to start uh, tweeting that out and stuff to our people because I'm sure they'll love it. Perfect. Well, so thank you so much. Thank you for taking time out to do this. I know it's late for you and it's only lunchtime for me, <laughs> but um, <laughs> hopefully you got the kids put to bed. And Indeed, and indeed I have. Indeed, but it's been great. a real pleasure, Bree. It's been a real pleasure. And it's wonderful to know that there are more people out there just really flying the flag for being an independent artist and it being not difficult and it being lucrative and being able to live the kind of life you want. And it doesn't have to be a struggle. I love that that's your, your attitude to the whole thing as well absolutely thank you so much 
Now go out and make great music, connect with your fans, and grow your business. Female Entrepreneur Musician has been brought to you by femusician.com and femalemusicianacademy.com. With editing by Jen Eads of 317 Sound Design and music by Stella Ronson.